0: Hello, everyone. This is Lance Mullen, host of the MSU WMA podcast. Today, we have special guest Stefan Provanov. Stefan is a lead advisor and is president and CEO of Blankenship and Foster, located in Carlsbad, California. Stefan and I discuss how he got where he is today, what his role is, and advice for young professionals. Enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to the MSU WMA podcast. Today, I have special guest, Stefan Provano. Stefan, it's great to have you on. Thanks, Lance. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to just start off. Um, do you want to give a little bit of uh, your background and kind of where you are today?
1: Sure. Um, I started in the industry, gosh, it's been got maybe 25 years now. Uh, But I was with a firm back in uh, the D.C. area. I was with them for about eight years. And that's where I kind of learned the business. Um, uh, It was a firm where there's only 12 of us. And over those eight years, we grew from that to about 40 plus people. Um, There was four owners and there were great mentors and where I got my hands dirty and learned the business. And then I moved back west where I grew up down to, in the San Diego area and joined a firm there. And um, I am still with that same firm, uh, but grew in that area from an advisor and et cetera to where uh, myself and two others took over the firm. Um, the two founders had retired. And so that's where we are today. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been good
0: stuff. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Kind of curious. Uh, so you're from the San Diego area. What kind of drew you to go on the other side of the country to D.C. area?
1: Oh, gosh. That was my wife. Uh, so um, we were out in San Diego, and then she her, her job actually took us out to the D.C. area. Okay. And my job kept us there longer than we thought we'd be out there. <laughs> <laughs> and we said, you know what? Let's get back to San Diego. We really loved it out there, and we made it happen, so it worked out really well.
0: Okay. So what was that transition like coming back to San Diego and how did you end up at the firm you're at today?
1: So I, before we moved back to San Diego, I was doing my homework on what kind of firms that I wanted to um, join and uh, happened to be, this goes back a long ways now, back in the newspaper when you look for ads. So <laughs> I found an ad and uh, we, we were in temporary housing. Uh, we had moved back to San Diego and I moved back without a job and I was looking for in the paper and I happened to see an ad for this company, uh, um, Blakey Chip and Foster and I knew of it and I said, dang. So I asked my old uh, friend if I could use his computer uh, cause I wasn't planning on really looking for work at that time and I applied and um, it all worked out. So I joined the firm, started off as a kind of a uh, associate advisor, moved my way up to be an advisor become a partner. And
0: then um was one of three people that bought the firm. That's awesome. Do you want to kind of go through that a little bit? um kind of your process of moving up in the company?
1: Yeah, I'll first start off with the company that I was really back in d c Like I said, it was a great company where um the role was where you were in position to learn, so we we did investment management, we did financial planning, and we did tax returns. So I I started off really as just a a person that was just getting my hands dirty and all kinds of stuff, Um, um, just more administrative role, to be honest, Mm -hmm. and then gradually moved up to where I was helping advisors, I was helping on the investment side, I was preparing tax returns, um, and just learning the business, and then getting involved with client relationships. So I learned all the technical skills, all the things that you had to do and learn in order to become an advisor. And I became an advisor there, but then when we moved to San Diego, I joined the firm as an advisor, more as a support advisor, and then became a primary advisor. We're working directly with clients and et cetera, um, and then took other portfolio management responsibilities, um, took some leadership responsibilities, um, and then became a partner um that then has more leadership responsibilities um and those are uh, you know a lot of, a lot of learning yeah. and then um became uh ce ceo and president and then the founders retired and then the three of us um are the principals of the firm and we run the firm so we're a number of different hats today
0: that's pretty cool yeah. um i'm kind of curious what do you think got you to where you're at today like would what- what would you say are probably like three qualities that really stuck out and allowed you to be up and become successful within the company? Yeah, good, great question, Lance. So
1: one is um, the desire to learn, just keep learning. And that that can come in all kinds of forms from watching and observing in the firm that you're with, with the people uh, taking on responsibilities that are not your core responsibilities. Um, outside learning, just taking the initiative to learn, read. Uh, now there's so much uh, like podcasts like what you're doing here, mm-hmm. there's so yep. many opportunities to learn. So learn, 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 and take all the advantages that are out there, and there are tons of advantages, uh, abilities to do that. The other is uh, listen listening. Be, be a good listener. Um, listen to clients, listen to people, uh, keep your mind open um, and just having great listening skills. Um, And then, uh, you know, early on, I got advice, think like an owner. So Mm. go in with everything that you do, think from like an owner, um, how to improve things, how, you know, would you do things differently and speak up, you know, and and there might be a great reason why your idea is not a good idea. And I had a lot of those. Yeah. (laughs) And people explain why that wouldn't be a good idea or they had tried that, but that's fine. And there are some things that were great ideas that we implemented. And that puts you in a great position to um, have your supervisors and bosses have more confidence in you.
0: Yeah, I like that that point of you, you got a lot of ideas, put them out there for other people to tell you if that is a good idea, if it will yeah. work. I, I like that. Yeah, exactly. So, um. Kind of jumping over to what you do today, um, as CEO and kind of like transitioning from being uh lead advisor or associate advisor, what does that kind of look like? How is that different now?
1: Uh, so I wear a number of hats. Um, you know, we are kind of a mid-sized firm, about 16 people, so depending on your your perspective on that. So I wear a number of hats. So I clearly still have client responsibilities and we do work as a team. So um, I'm, I have client responsibilities, but I have a great team with me, helping me um, support those clients. But then I have leadership responsibilities of the firm, obviously um, uh, looking out for the direction of the firm, how, where the industry is going, trying to understand that, be in position to be able to pivot when needed um to bring in new technology or new ways to improve things. So constantly to improve. And I go, I talked about learning. I still do a lot of learning. I listen to a lot yeah. of podcasts. I read industry um material. And I also look outside of our industry uh, for ideas and and and, and to learn. Um, and there's a lot of good stuff out there. But uh, to answer your question, um I wear multiple hats. Again, I'm an advisor. Um, I have uh, a team on different areas from operations um, and then uh, just from a leadership team um, aspect as well.
0: Yeah, that that makes total sense. Um, so when you're working with clients, I know a lot of companies will have like a niche or demographic that they kind of work with. Do you guys have anything similar or do you work with anyone Um Yeah, it's a little
1: more broad than a specific niche. Uh, Niches are are awesome. I'm a big fan of that. Um, But we tend to have uh, um, retirees or people that are approaching retirement, to be honest. Um, And then um, we have uh, kind of a newer, uh, younger doctor platform as well. So that's relatively new. And we've been building that out. It's kind of cool. We have another team that kind of heads that up. I'm not as close to it as them. Um, yeah. I get all the information from them, but it's kind of a cool, and and we're still learning and trying to do that. And where that came about is we had a lot of doctors as clients, so we've yeah. seen a lot of issues and things that could have done better if they had worked with us or another advisor firm um, earlier, and so we saw some trends in certain things that always happen, on a, well, not always, but consistently, that if we were to work with younger doctors and, and work with them earlier, we can put them in better position at the time they are approaching retirement.
0: Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Um, so you can kind of work with a number of different clients, but those are kind of the newer niches that you're going with?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of phrase it as uh, people that are approaching retirement and then the young younger doctor space.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so... You obviously at Blankenship and and Foster, um, a lot of the associates have the CFP. And I know here at Michigan State with our wealth management program, we have a CFP program here. Um, Do you want to kind of talk a little bit more about the CFP, Um, kind of how you got into it, how you got that designation and maybe offer some advice for people taking it?
1: Yeah. Um, I I probably am not going to be very good at giving advice on people. I've taken it because it's been so long, but yeah, um, yeah, I took it on early. uh, Probably in the first year I started the process when I started in the industry. And to to be honest, it's table stakes. I think if you really want to be a professional um, in this space, it's something that you you really have to have. Um, And it gives you a nice broad education covering a lot of different aspects of the financial planning industry uh, but i think it's, it gives you some credibility it shows that you are dedicated to the profession both from any uh from your employer but also from the clients aspect as well and then from other professionals so you know we work with um, attorneys we work with cpas uh, they also um, want to see credentials as well as they interact with other professionals so it gives you credibility. From your, from be if you're going to be self employed, so your clients, or if you're from your uh, um, employer, um, and then also from other professionals. So I think it is table stakes um, in order to really progress in that in the profession. Um, and then, in regards, uh, you want to continue to learn. And so that kind yeah. of gives you a good
0: starting starting point. Yeah, I think it's a very useful designation i've heard from people that have taken it it's super useful in, in the learning process and also like you said for the clients to know that they have someone who knows what they're talking about yeah i think that's huge yeah um so when you're like when you kind of took over the business at blake and chip and foster and became a partner what were some of the difficulties when you started running the business, rather than just being the advisor part of the business, um, it, it's
1: you know you, you are in a position where you um, learn from your mistakes. <laughs> yep. um, it was balancing um, you know client um, managing clients and and the relationships, and then having enough time to put dedication to the business. And then I, I learned um, in that you have to set time aside to work in the business mm-hmm. um, and on the business. So you need time for both. So and, and we've done that. We have structured that where now we do that. Uh, we have a leadership team meeting every week, Tuesday morning, 90 okay. minutes. And it's a leadership team. And it's basically on the business. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we do this every quarter. We set a full day off-site with a leadership team, and we set our priorities that uh, what we're going to do for the quarter. We actually also do an annual one. That's a two-day, and that sets the direction of the firm for you know 10 years out, three years mm-hmm. out, what our goals are going to be for one year, and then again for this coming quarter. So we really done that um and put a dedication and time and effort into that we use an outside consultant to for those um one day and two day um, um outside sessions and it's in and, and it's been
0: great it's been great yeah so with that like i'm assuming that it's mostly kind of client driven How like how can we improve their experience do you ever hear like feedback and say, Hey, I'm glad we did that. Or what does that kind of look like with clients?
1: Oh yeah. You know, that's one of the things that's very rewarding in this percent in in this field is that we do hear that from clients. Um, It could be from little things that thank goodness we got your wire out for the home that I bought. um, And that's the client service team working directly with the clients um, to making some big decisions on either buying a place or not buying a place to how are they going to retire, how they could help their kids or um, help their their parents um, and putting them in position to accomplish what was important to them. And that can vary from one client to another. Sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's not. It's giving them them, uh, the confidence that they are in the right path, that they um, have the means to do something where they didn't think they did. Or it could be just from the general market where we've seen these bank failures and people were concerned about their banks. Mm -hmm. Um, In the financial crisis in 2007, 2008, 2009, we were actually getting more calls probably about what they should do about their bank accounts versus their portfolio and just Mm -hmm. kind of putting them at ease.
0: Yeah. So working in the industry, you've seen the market go up and down and, um, you've seen different things happen throughout the world. How do you handle that as an advisor? Uh, like when those difficulties come, how do you work with your clients to yeah. make sure they're at ease? Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, so for,
1: we know those are going to happen. We just don't know when. <laughs> we, went, yeah. you know, we went through some big ones here in, in the financial uh, recession there in, in 2008. Um, you know, last year was a little bit of a blip. Um, and we know we're going to have them. So it's really preparing and getting clients in position for those before they occur. And that comes from their portfolio, but more so even from the, their overall financial aspect, putting them in position where they can ride that out. And ride it out, it's never going to be comfortable, but ride it out where they have more confidence. And that's what we want to be creating. One is giving them confidence that they could ride that out before it occurs. They show them as it when it is occurring showing what how they could write that out and they have the means um, on short terms or be it um uh cash or short term bonds or whatever it might be um to have that ability to write out the market we know the market's going to do what it's going to do we don't know how deep or how long but we're in position to get to that get through it it's
0: mm-hmm. a lot of
1: education actually
0: okay um and I kind of want to kind of stay on that topic of investment management, how do you guys go about that? How do you work with the family or an individual with their investments? And how do you kind of make sure that they're in the right area?
1: Yeah, we first do the planning in order to, before we could build the portfolio. So we put together a net worth statement, understanding big picture where all their assets are, how they're positioned, how much real estate they have. Um, how much liquidity they have? We put a cash flow statement. Where's my, where their funds are coming? Where are their income's coming from? Um, what their expenses are? To understand that, and, and then understand their situation, where they are today, where they're looking to go. You know, we have to understand that before we can actually build the portfolio. We have some clients that are ten percent stocks, and we have other clients that are ninety percent stocks, and everything in between. And that's all based on their own individual circumstances. And so we look at the planning work that drives the portfolio decisions in working with the client and building that portfolio. Um, and then as far as if you're asking the, how we build portfolios, what tools we use for that, we use strong, mostly ETFs and some mutual funds, um, no fee, you know, non-transaction yeah. um, or commission oriented type of funds. So, um, or and ETFs, don't have transactions and what have you. But we build the portfolios using those kind of type of tools. We don't use um, individual stocks.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's, um, I think a lot of companies have kind of moved to that way with the fee-only structure. And yeah, um, yeah, so I kind of want to jump back into your client demographic. I forgot to ask you this, but do you kind of work with, people only on the west coast or from the San Diego area what is where is your clients usually located at primary San Diego but certainly um, they are
1: throughout the U.S. and that could be from where clients moved away from San Diego Um, clients have relatives that they um, have in different states Um, we clients find us um, different ways, either website or whatever, um, heard about us from different things. Um, for a long time, I had a client in Maine that I had never actually met. Um, and certainly, as you know, that's easier these days than what it was at yeah. one time. And so distance is really not an issue. That's not an issue these days. But people still do like to come in and meet face-to-face. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Sometimes you know people think that would be the older clients, but that's not necessarily true. We have not a number of younger clients, some that intentionally changed their advisor where they were back east, but they wanted someone local here that they can meet, and they're yep. younger. So it's just individuals um, have their own preferences. And obviously today, it's easy to cover both face-to-face
0: or virtual or what have you. For sure. And what what do you prefer? Do you like the in-person or are you more kind of on the Zoom train now?
1: both work great they both have uh advantages um so face-to-face you tend to be able to read them a little bit better uh, body language um, uh, both um, if it's a couple both of them um, on screen it's easier to share data and information and and keep everyone focused on a particular item or subject matter or whatever it might be and, you know, you could highlight and circle and, and and really keep people focused. So they both have advantages.
0: Yeah. And kind of transitioning back, I know you mentioned that you are constantly learning and listening to podcasts, reading books. Do you have any recommendations or things that you kind of stay up on top of or content that you follow?
1: Yeah, Um So podcasts, I do a lot of that, um, going on walks, walking dog or whatever it might be. And I listen like uh, from industry, uh, Michael Kitsis. He's fantastic. Um, Both his, um, uh, you know, it's free, the podcast and all his literature. It's fantastic. I'd highly recommend that. For younger advisors, what's kind of interesting, um, Caleb Brown, he has what's called the New Planner Podcast. And you could also sign up for... Um, his blog, but he gives guidance to newer advisors, mm-hmm. um, and it's, I, I think you might find that of interest. Um, if there's some investment ones, Dimensional DFA, they have a podcast. Haven't listened to that one for a while, but they also have a great research area that's available. Then I have non-industry uh, from Freakonomics, Hidden Brain, um, Intelligence Matters, uh, you know, director of CIA yeah. kind of stuff, just kind of different interests but they all become relevant in some aspect to my business for sure. Uh, another one that's in the industry, but it's a, from a different take. It's more on the operation side, C COO roundtable. Um, that's more of an operation side of our industry. And, and that has really some cool, cool stuff as well.
0: Yeah. And I know, I know uh, a few of those that I stay on top of as well. Um, they're, they're great content to follow yeah um and then just kind of wrapping up a little bit do you have any general advice for students here at msu or any students listening i know we have a lot of younger uh students that listen to our podcast and would appreciate your advice
1: yeah same thing uh learn 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 be curious um if you read something and you want a little more, there's usually a reference to that and you could dig in a little bit deeper. Um, uh, you know, As you start your career, think about the position that you want in um, the role. And some roles provide uh, great learning in maybe a more narrow area. Um, and some other roles may, uh, but they give a lot of handholding, a lot of teaching in those roles. And then some other areas might be more broad where you get your hands dirty and a lot of different things. And some people are, are more geared to the first and some people are more geared where they want more range in what they learn and more, you know, less handholding or guidance, but just more want to be doing. So kind of learn what that is and what is a better fit for you. Um, observe, look around. And when you're in that role, watch people, um, and ask a lot of questions. Uh, when opportunities come up, take them, offer, you know, your time, uh, to do those things, um, uh, what else? Uh, you know, listen to podcasts, uh, get involved in in um, a local organization in the profession. You know, there's local chapters of for different organizations there. Try to get involved in those as well.
0: Yeah, and uh, um, one of the things that we have at MSU and that um, that you can get involved in for students too is the FPA. They have yeah. a student student section, and so I've done a few events with them. It's awesome. Yeah, but...
1: and you're involved with this podcast. Yeah, so exactly. I speak
0: to <laughs> exactly. Just get out there and get involved. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, Stefan, I had a great time having you on today, um, and I hope to keep in touch.
1: Likewise, thanks, Lance. It's been a real yep. treat.
0: If you like what you just heard please like, comment, and share. This is Lance Mullen, producer of the MSU WMA podcast. MSU WMA, or Michigan State University Wealth Management Association, is a student organization part of the Eli Broad College of Business, located in East Lansing, Michigan. Our mission is to inspire and educate the next generation of financial planners. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed, please check out our channel on all platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and check out our social media at msuwma and msuwma.com.